Today I will be discussing my one-month experiment using a continuous glucose monitor. I'm not a physician, nor am I an expert on glucose or CGMs. I'll just simply be sharing my very personal and layman's experience with one of these devices. Our producer, Estella, will be asking me a series of questions, and I hope you glean some good insight. This is the Kathleen Sessions podcast. Thank you very much and enjoy the conversation. Well, hello, Estella. Hello. This is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what do you have for me? So why did you choose to do this? Why did I choose to try a continuous glucose monitor, I'm guessing is your question. Um, I forever from my earliest recollection have had problems with energy crashes throughout the day. Um, really bad debilitating energy crashes. I'd have great, steady, wonderful energy in the mornings typically, and then brutal crashes in the afternoon. I remember even in elementary school, barely being able to get through the afternoons. I know that I'm not unique in that. Um, I know that everybody struggles a bit with energy fluctuations throughout the day. And a lot of people struggle with like mid afternoon, but so much of my life um, was consumed by that on a day-to-day basis that, and I felt like I lost so much productivity and it just was a, a, a big issue. So probably like 10 or 15 years ago, I gave up sugar for a year. At the time before that, I didn't really know, especially when I was younger, that, that there was maybe a connection between the food I was putting in my body and that happening, right? I just thought this is how I'm wired. I'm someone who just can't hold their energy throughout the day. Um, and then, you know, as more research came out and stuff, I started to learn a little bit more. So about 10 or 15 years ago, I decided for a year to give up sugar. And it for me, that simply meant no desserts or candy, ice cream, or um, like, sugared beverages. I wasn't like anal about every added sugar thing. It was more just the obvious sugar things. And for that year, my energy was so much better. I couldn't believe it. My productivity was so much better. I didn't have that deep need to take like an afternoon nap. Um, So many things were better. And I felt like I kind of learned the lesson and then, you know, time went by and I'm sure, I'm sure the I'm sure it lost its hold on me a little bit, but just recently I uh, got some not so great uh, blood results regarding my glucose levels from my doctor. Um, In fact, I got one set of um, results and uh, thought I was going to be really good and uh, turn those around. And then about six months later, I got another set of results and they had gotten even worse. And I thought, I need to do something about this. I do. I was pissed because I thought I take pretty good care of myself, right? I eat pretty well. Like, what the heck? I mean, I I remember being shocked and, and really sort of mad about it, but also determined that if there was something I could do, that if there was something that I could do in advance of heading into type two diabetes or in advance of needing medications um, that I was going to do something. And I had been hearing about the CGMs, the continuous glucose monitors. Um, I listened to a few different um, health podcasts um, by one's by an MD and another's by a, just a, a super awesome 
health researcher. Um, and I had heard them talking about them and I'd obviously seen them in the press and that sort of thing. But once I got those results, um, I realized I needed to understand more what was happening inside my body, what was causing my glucose to spike, what was causing, what was leading me down this path that could lead me to, to, you know, insulin insensitivity. So I decided to get one. And I, I, I have to admit, I think for a long time, even though I had been interested, even before I got those results, I'd been slightly interested um, once I got the results, I still had that barrier of like, it's expensive. Like I felt like it cost what had been a barrier and, um, but I had gotten some money from, for Christmas, a couple hundred dollars that I had squirreled away. And then I got like another hundred dollars for my birthday. And I had intended to spend that on something else, something, something fun. But, um, once I got these results, I'm like, no, this is what I'm going to spend that money on because I am determined to try to address this and be proactive. So that's why I did it. I wanted to understand if there was anything I was doing day in and day out that could change, that could move me and my results, my test results in a better direction and um, stave off type 2 diabetes. And that's hard for me to even say out what loud. Were, I mean, I feel like I've been healthy for so long. I, I, I couldn't, I, I still am in a little shock that I actually was heading down that path. So after wearing this device for a month, what were some of your biggest takeaways? Well, I was shocked how instantaneous of the feedback, like this device, you put it on the back of your arm. You can kind of see it through my shirt here. It's this like black circle here. This device that you put on the back of your arm, you basically scan it with your phone and then your phone has an app that spits out like where you're at in terms of your glucose. And it's not only tracking where you're at at this moment, but where you've been, you know, so it, um, it records things eight hours at a t up to eight hours at a time. So as long as you're scanning every eight hours, you can see like what your glucose is doing throughout the day. And I, I, I guess I was shocked how immediate that that uh, information was. I was shocked how how much control I had over how high my glucose spiked and how high it stayed spiked. Um, there was just a it, the whole experience pretty much blew me away. And um, maybe yeah, I'll maybe ask you to ask some more specific questions about that. But overall, that was the biggest. I think that was the biggest overall surprise and um, yeah. And so talk a little bit about what made your glucose spike so much or stay low or stay in the healthy range. Well, one of the things that I'll say is that they do. Um, I, so the, the, the device that I ended up using, I ordered through a company called NutriSense and they do a really good job of providing education that goes along with what you're seeing so that, you know, they talk about generally speaking, what the research shows in terms of the foods that'll spike your glucose, generally speaking, what things you can do to mitigate that based on the research, but really driving home the point that it's highly individual as well. So if even the generally speaking research shows X, Y, or Z, what's going on in your body based on all the factors going on in your life are going to be 
like very personal. So um, it, they were, it was, it was super helpful to like, like hear their education and their advice and their research combined with what was going on in my own body. But um, the, uh, so on a very general um, basis, they know that, you know, carbs will be something that is more likely to spike your glucose versus something like fats or protein. And one of the things with NutriSense, I think one of their, like one of their just taglines, which I think is uh, phrases that they use a lot in the educational pieces is no naked carbs, no naked carbs. And I think that's so beautiful because what I saw very directly, if I had naked carbs, if I had carbs on their own, I would spike, right? So, so for me personally, I'll give a, I'll give a very, uh, I'll give a very specific example. And for the first few days, they tell you to just eat, just eat and don't try to shape it too much. Eat, notate what you eat and then see what happens with your glucose. And so the very first day, and I'm not a proud to admit this, but it's the truth. The very first day I had a hamburger and French fries um, together as one meal. And I was kind of thinking in the back of my head, yeah, this is fast food. This isn't good for me, but I'm going to eat my hamburger first. And cause I, the little bit I already know about this stuff, if I have my protein first, I, it, it should help mitigate things. Well, I had the hamburger and the French fries and then I scanned and I looked at, I looked at, um, the results and my glucose blew up. It blew way past the high end of the healthy range and, and hit like 20 points beyond that. And I, you know, it was a wake up call. It was an absolute wake up call um, to, to, you know, what was going on in my body was directly related to what I was putting into my body. And so the next night I decided to do an experiment. So they have you experimenting a lot with different foods and combinations of foods and what to eat with or before certain foods. So the next night, um, and this is going to make it sound like I'm this massive meat eater, which I'm not necessarily, but the next night we were going out to dinner with friends and I ordered a steak, um, and some French fries. The steak came with French fries. That was like your side option. And there was a vegetable in there as well. So I decided to, you know, based on what I was learning, you know, eat the meat first. So I had the entire steak first. Then I had some, my vegetables and some French fries. And when I, you know, scanned and looked at the results by doing it. Th so that second night, my results, my glucose spiked less than half the amount as the first time. And I think the difference was because the difference was I didn't have a bun on the steak, right? So like by, I, I had my protein first, but I also didn't have a bun the way I had a bun on the burger. And the, the difference, I stayed within the healthy range the second night I, you know, it went up anytime you eat your glucose is most likely going to raise to some extent, but the, the point is to stop it from spiking so much and to keep it within a healthy range and to keep the variability, um, you know, in, in a healthier way versus spiking up and then back down and up and then back down. So anyway, this, I, it was a very direct example of one meal one night versus another meal the next night, both had pretty much the same constituents in terms of, but, but one didn't have the bun. Um, and then what the other thing that happened is, and this, this 
probably also contributed to not spiking as high. But because I ate my entire steak first before I had any of the French fries, I was also more full by the time I got to the French fries. And so organically, I just didn't eat as many. So I didn't eat as many French fries. So I guess there was some differences in the meal related to that, but that also was um, helpful information overall about a healthier way to approach a meal. Like if I eat the protein first, I'll have less of a desire to eat um, the carbs and again, keep my, keep my glucose in a healthier range. So that was just an interesting right out of the gates sort of experiment that happened. And, um, yeah, protein is definitely so much more satiating than any carb you could have. Um, so kind of going off of, so the, you were talking about how you started eating protein and then carbs. What are some other changes you've made um, from this, from using this device, uh, whether it be food order, food types, or exercise, or anything of that matter? Well, I think first and foremost, for those first handful of days, it was about just watching the data, eating what I would normally eat, or 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 whatever the case was, and then seeing what happened. And I again was so surprised at the instantaneous data of what's going on in my body, and the immediate impact it would have on my behavior. So my behavior was instantly changing, not just because of like not just because, oh, I've got this data piece uh, or just not because of just the more academic knowledge of it, but I could directly see if I change the behavior, if I change the order of the foods I'm eating on my plate, if I um, change the time of day I'm eating, if I change the way that I'm moving my body before or after, which we'll get to in a little bit, um, I saw an immediate impact and it was so rewarding. So they give you a range. I mean, the again, there's so much wonderful education that comes comes along, at least with the company that I chose to use, but I'm guessing this is across the board for all, for many of these companies, but there's so much great information. And one of them is that, you know, they're trying to help you keep your glucose within what's called a healthy range. I'm not even going to talk about the range because it's beside the point, but what's in within a healthy range. So every time you eat and then scan, you see a graph that shows where your where your glucose went and if it went out of range, either too high or too low, um, th that feedback loop, that feedback loop of seeing the direct result of your actions, whether it's negative reaction because of, you know, um, something you ate or um, positive reaction because of a positive change that you made um, was so encouraging and so instantaneously created new habits in me. That was what was interesting. I felt like my habits shifted much faster um, than they maybe would have just by knowing something is generally speaking good for you or bad for you. When you could see in real time what's happening in your body and you have control over that, it's it was quite empowering. Can you talk about some of those specific habits, such as you had alluded to exercise? How does that play a role in your glucose levels? So one of the things that they educate you on, generally speaking, and I'm going to, I'm always going to keep making this distinction because there's research that is generalized and then there's what's happening in your body. So I can really only speak. And as I've mentioned at the beginning, I'm only speaking to my direct experience as a lay person, but 
But while you're learning about what's happening in your body, they're also educating you about the research, but they're doing it in such a way, um, they're doing it in such a way that you can understand it. And so they talk a lot about generally speaking, how exercising after a meal. So if you've eaten and your glucose spikes, no matter how high it spiked, right? If you exercise after a meal, the, the, that exercise will help pull the glucose out of your blood. So you're less, uh, you don't need as much insulin to come in and try and save the day. Um, so if you exercise immediately after a meal, it's going to have a beneficial effect on your overall glucose scores. That's what the research shows. When I conducted the experiment and I had a meal on one day where I didn't like go for a walk afterward versus the next day I had the exact same meal and I went for a walk afterward, I could, I could see it, the, the, that direct relationship, if I end my meal and go for a walk, I can, I can actually pull my glucose down um, faster than if I wouldn't have done that. Um, so, uh, so the exercise, what, 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 in terms of what they were sharing played out in the generalized research really actually played out in my particular body. I could see that. And they talk about exercising after a meal and, you know, preferably if you're able to go for a walk, make it a brisk walk, but don't discount. I mean, if you can't go for a fast walk, go for a slow walk. If you can't go out for a walk, do something where you're contracting your muscles. By contracting your muscles in any way, you're reducing your glucose levels. So that was fascinating to me that, again, maybe I, you know, I probably had learned that somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, and I'd heard it. And, and I, I think, generally speaking, I like to exercise. So on an, on a weekly basis, there were probably several times I would maybe go for a walk after a meal, but, but now seeing the direct imp impact on my glucose, um, really drove home the fact that that is something that I want to be part of my life. Um, because again, I want to stave off type two diabetes and uh, want to stave off, um, potentially having to go on, on medications. Um, so knowing that I could have such an immediate and direct impact was pretty exciting. The flip side, uh, in terms of, they also talk about research of exercising before a meal and that exercise before a meal can, um, also be have a positive impact on your glucose and what you're about to eat. And I found that to be the case for me. So as well. So as I, 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 there was uh, one time where I ran a three day um, experiment and they have you doing lots of just personal experiments so you can understand what's going on in your body. So one day I just ate a meal, didn't exercise before or after to see where I landed in terms of my glucose. The next day I ate the same meal and, and exercised afterward. And I could see how quickly I was able to drop those glucose. It did spike from my meal, but I was able to quickly, more quickly bring it down because I did the exercise after. On the third day, I actually did, I did a walk before, then I came back and I ate and then I did a walk after. And what happened on that day was not only did I bring those glucose levels down, they didn't spike as high to begin with. So by exercising beforehand, I could like ease my, I was able to ease my spike. So I had the same exact food, but I went for a walk beforehand and it didn't spike as much. And then I was able to bring it back down from exercise afterwards. So Again, that's what happened in my body that may or may not happen in yours, but I, it was, it was really empowering. And, um, 
I felt like it's a lesson you won't unlearn. Once you see that, once you see that playing out on the graph, you're not going to unsee it. Like it is, we have immense power over, um, there are certain things we don't have power over, but this we, we really, many of us will have direct power over. And kind of going off of that, were there any other things that you were looking at during this first month, like your sleep or your stress related to your glucose levels? Well, they talk a lot in the educational piece. Um, and I'm guessing a lot of our listeners will have heard, you know, different research or different information that's out there in, in the in the media about the fact that a lack of sleep can adversely affect our glucose, meaning our glucose is more likely to be higher and spike if we don't sleep as well. Um, and the same holds true for stress. The more stress we're under, generally speaking, they talk about the research showing a negative, negative impact on our glucose. Um, what I didn't do this first month, I was so focused. I was like really laser focused on the foods, um, which foods spiked my glucose, which combination of foods, the timing of foods, what order I ate the foods that were on my plate. I was really hyper-focused on both the foods and then the exercise piece. And because maybe it, this was all new to me, being it was my first month, I was excited to learn, to learn about generally speaking, the sleep and stress side of things. But, um, I felt like in, or I didn't focus on that this first month because I was, everything was so new to me and I, I didn't want to have too many variables that were kind of confounding what I was learning from the CGM. So I stayed focused on the foods and I stayed focused on, on the exercise piece. And then my goal, I was only going to do this for a month, but now I'm going to do it for another month. In fact, I can, I can totally at this point seeing this be a continuous part of my life. Maybe I would, maybe I would like give it a break in the summer months when I'm more sleeveless, which I, I know we'll get to that in a, in a moment. But the, the information is so helpful, um, that I could see having this be a continuous part of my life. But originally I was only going to do it one month. Now I'm going to do it a second month. And I think in this second month, I will be able to have um, look at more of those nuances related to sleep, related to stress. There are some other things I didn't really have an opportunity to pay as much attention to. And so how it plays out is that in the glucose, um, in the app, you're adding, you know, you can, you're documenting what you ate. So you can see, if you want to look back, you can see directly how a meal impacted your glucose. You want to remember from a week ago, why did I blow past, you know, the healthier range? What did I eat that day? You can see it, but there's also places within the map where you are in the app where you can document how well you slept, how, um, what your stress level is, where you can make notes. So, I can see that second month being really, really productive in terms of now turning to those components. I know academically and generally speaking and from the research that those have an impact, but I want to see what is the impact on my personal body, my, my personal glucose scores. Um, yeah, so uh, I see that as month two. So we might have to do a follow-up episode to this to kind of get into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it sounds like you've had a really impactful experience with this device and especially since you're planning to use it for a second month. Um, since you've had such a good experience, who 
or would you recommend this device? And if so, to whom? I would recommend this highly recommend it. Um, I think even for me at first, it was a little confusing, like, oh, is this only if you already have diabetes? Um, when these first came out, it was a little confusing. I remember doing some of the research and it was, it was a little unclear because it talks about you needing a, a prescription. And I, uh, I guess I'll pause there related to the prescription. So yes, you need a prescription, but you're able to do it through telehealth within whatever company you choose. So again, I chose NutriSense or other companies out there. NutriSense has telehealth available that yes, do you go through a questionnaire, then you can get the prescription for the continuous glucose monitor. But um, I think in the last three to six months, overall, I think the communication about who this is for has gotten much better, meaning you do not have to ha already have diabetes to use a continuous glucose monitor. In fact, I think that's where the beauty lies because I think the more people in the general public who are using it, we, we have the potential to... Um, we have the potential to avoid once we, because when we know better, especially the way you learn it in this, when I, when we know better, we do better. And if more of us have the ability to stave off um, type two diabetes, just imagine the absolute impact that would mean on our healthcare system overall, on on physicians, on on us as individuals. So, I think where the massive opportunity. As, as a country, as a world is, is, um, is for, you know, catching it in real time or ahead of the game, or even when we're young so that we can course correct and, and, uh, establish better behaviors, um, so that we don't head in that direction. Then separate from like, you know, societal from a society perspective and overall healthcare perspective, just as an individual, I can't, I can't imagine who wouldn't benefit from this. I, I, I guess there's, again, I'm speaking as a lay person. I'm no expert on this, but maybe like just as, as, as I'm thinking off the top of my head, maybe if you're someone who is super obsessive, you know, and this would just cause you to obsess more, you got to be honest with yourself about that, right? That maybe this wouldn't be the best kind of device, or maybe people who have eating disorders and, um, and again, I'm no expert in any of that, but if it would cause you to use the information to rationalize or justify or, or maybe again, make you more obsessive about food or no food or whatever the case is that, that could be a, a place where it maybe wouldn't be the right choice. But for so my experience has been, um, just so incredible that I, I could see this for everyone. And I guess that's what I'm hoping for in terms of cost. Because again, cost was a barrier for me that I was able to, I, you know, I ended up justifying by scrapping together some money from gifts. But I guess I'm hoping that the more awareness overall there becomes about this and maybe the more generalized use that the pricing can come down um, and that more options would be available. I'm not sure how this plays out in terms of insurance across the board if you don't already have type 2 diabetes, but you would think the insurers who have to pay <laughs> for all the drugs that people have to go on once they have type 2 diabetes and all the procedures that have to be done when your body starts to break down from type 2 diabetes, you would think that the insurers would think it's a really good idea to get these into healthy people earlier so that they can avoid the 
the back end costs, which I would think it'd be way more expensive than the front end cost of doing this. But generally speaking, I'm really hopeful that the more that these are used in the general public, that the pricing, even if insurance isn't an option, that it's more accessible from a price point pers- perspective. Um, and you can already, they have it set up where if you are doing longer use, so I did it the most expensive way, unfortunately, I did it for the one month, which is, uh, the most expensive way to do it. But I was, I, I wasn't ready to commit to something beyond that. I wanted to make sure the information and the data was going to be useful to me. Um, I had heard, you know, through different um, physicians that have used these that um, generally speaking, you can glean so much information from just a month that it can have a lasting impact on your behaviors. And um, so that's the, the, for all those reasons, I chose the one month. And again, now I'm going to commit to a second month, but they already have it set up where if you're going to do longer stints, the pricing comes down. So I'm just hoping that over time, that the more this gets gener- more generally used, that the price, the, this is going to be way more accessible for, for, for everybody, because I know that that's currently a barrier. Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit about why you chose NutriSense over other brands that are available on the market? There's no specific reason. I think I was just researching a lot of different companies. I think maybe they were the one that uh, maybe it was just some of the stuff on their website that made it the most clear that you didn't have to already be diabetic, you know, to do this. I think, again, I think that communication overall has gotten better across all the companies, but maybe it just really, there was maybe something about the way they worded it or something about the way that they showed how easy it was to use or something that got me. Um, I don't think I remember that there was a big difference in terms of pricing. I could be wrong on that. So please do your own research. But I, uh, there must have been something, but, and, and what, because I've not used any of the other products, I have no idea whether to say NutriSense is better than Levels or better, better than the other companies that are out there. What I can say is my personal experience with NutriSense has been super positive in terms of the ease of use, in terms of um, the the uh, the education piece that goes along with it, in terms of the onboarding, which you know we can talk about in a second. Um, in terms of the way that the information is displayed, so the way that it's displayed, it's just like you know. It so clearly shows you what is happening in your body uh, versus the behavior you just took that it it has that immediate impact on your behavior. And I, I just um, and your habits. And I guess I'm not sure how that is displayed in other products or how good their um, their supportive education is. It could be as good. I'm just not sure. But also with NutriSense, they assign you a, a nutritionist for your first month that is a real person who you can go to with questions. And so I reached out to my nutritionist a couple of times. I had a couple of, you know, concerns early on um, that she helped Mm -hmm. me sort through what I was seeing. And I found that to be super helpful. I mean, I didn't use her a ton, but the little bit I did, she was super helpful. And she looked back across my history and made comments and suggestions. And that was, that was helpful. So you decided to go with NutriSense. And talk a little bit about your onboarding experience with them, putting the device on your arm, the videos, the how-to, all of that. 
Yeah, I, you know, I consider myself relatively tech savvy, but I was a little nervous as to like the whole getting, getting it in the mail. In fact, um, I just got my one for next month in this little box that my microphone is on. So it comes like in a box in the mail. And then um, I, I just wasn't sure how that was going to go and was a little nervous about it, was a little nervous whether or not it would hurt um, putting the sensor on. And um, but they make it so easy. I will say that was one thing that impressed me so much, the supportive um videos and how-tos just from the technical how-tos like what's in your box what goes where how you put it on they're so clear in both their language in the written part but also in the videos that it made it really really easy so the how-tos from a technical perspective were great um i think well, and I'll also say, so along those lines, I ha I had been worried is the wrong word, but I had been thinking about will this, will this hurt or I'm expecting it to hurt, even though like the doctors, some of the doctors I've heard talk about them has said that they really don't hurt. And even though there were testimonials of people saying it doesn't hurt um, in the, in the um, onboarding instructions, it talks about you might feel a little bit of a pinch as you, you know, press it in. And so I was kind of just braced for that way. Like when you go to the doctor and you're going to get a shot, you know, the shot's not going to really hurt, but you know, it's going to be something. I was sort of braced like that, but I just, I, I literally, you just put it here and you, then you press and I felt nothing. I felt zero. I felt nothing go in. Suddenly it wasn't on and then it was on. Um, so there was no pain or anything associated with it. Um, it was, and then you, and then after the sensors in, you put this bandaid thing over it, which is like a, yeah, you put this bandaid thing over it. Um, but it was super easy. And so from a technical standpoint, the onboarding from NutriSense was fantastic. I think what I was more impressed by though was also the supporting education. So you start like on day one, watching these educational vi videos that are talking in gen, like in general about glucose and insulin resistance and what the research shows about what foods and what foods when and carbs versus proteins versus fat and, and, you know, no naked carbs is one of the things, you know, that I'd mentioned earlier. So no naked carbs and, and eating your fats and proteins before your carbs and all the they did a really good job with the with all of the education that goes along with what you're seeing is going on in your body via your app so you're watching these videos each day that really help you understand you know how this works generally speaking and then you can see it in real time in your body so the onboarding was really good and i will admit I was worried about that. I was worried mm -hmm. that it would be technically kind of clunky and that I'd be sort of not being able to make sense of what I was seeing in terms of the results, but they make it crystal clear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so once the device was on your arm and you were out in public, did you feel comfortable wearing sleeveless shirts or showing that you had a CGM on your arm? It's interesting because I didn't really think about that on the upfront in terms of ahead of time thinking, oh, what's it going to be like to like wear this if I'm wearing something sleeveless? Um, 
the the one with Nutrisense, at least the one they sent, comes with like this black Band-Aid thing that goes over it. You wear it on the back of your arm and, and um, every two weeks you change your sensor and then you usually change your arm. But um, I, so the very first time I was going to go out in public and wear something sleeveless, I, I have to admit, I ended up having this pause. Like it was just not something I thought about ahead of time. And then I'm like, oh, do I do I want that? Do I want to wear this out in public or show this? Should I just put on a long sleeve shirt? And I think two things were going on for me, whether they're right or wrong, they were. So I'm just going to share them. Just my human experience. The first thing was just aesthetic. Like as, as silly as that sounds, it was like, oh, do I want to wear a sleeveless shirt and have this black thing on the back of my arm? I, I had that moment, right? Um, but then the flip side was that I am so blown away about continuous glucose monitoring and what I'm experiencing and what the potential impact on us as a society and our healthcare system and on individuals' experience, day-to-day -day experience in their lives. I feel so strongly about that, that I'm like, okay, if I'm wearing something sleeveless and it helps spread the word or get someone to ask me a question and I can help debunk, answer questions or debunk any concerns that they have, like the public service side of me, the like, it, which this, you know, it is part of who I am. Like I, 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 I want to get the word out about things that can make a meaningful difference. And so from that perspective, like that helped mitigate the fact that, oh, do I want this black thing on my arm? And is that what's that going to look like? So so I, I ended up like if I'm wearing something sleeveless, I'm wearing something sleeveless and just sort of, you know, uh, not over, not overthink it, I guess. I just I just do it. Um, I know there are some people who probably are like it's kind of like a flex right like people who are really into health and wellness and at the gym all the time I see a lot of people wearing you know like you know having them on their arm and I, for some people it might be like you know uh just a you know a statement about how much they care about their health or that they like wearing it from that standpoint so I, I just thought I'd throw that out there but yeah mm -hmm. and was there anything about your experience with NutriSense or the device in general that you wish was different? Well, um, there's so much more I want to dive into, but one of the things just the one, this is such a small thing, but yet, you know, it seems like it'd be really, really easy for them to fix is that when you, like I said, you change your device every two weeks. And when you, you press, you press the little, um, um, sensor into your arm and then you put that black bandaid over it. After two weeks, you go to the other arm. The problem is they send one Band-Aid per sensor. And so it, um, and maybe we'll post some pictures um, online of what my sensor actually looks like when I'm not wearing a button, button up shirt, like long sleeve shirt like this. But over time, the edges, just like when you're wearing a Band-Aid, how the edges of the Band-Aid start to sort of roll up or curl up, um, that starts to happen. And I've noticed, especially if I'm immersing myself, you can be immersed in water. In fact, I think it says you can be up to 30 minutes fully immersed without any problems with your sensor at all. And I've, you know, I noticed the the, there was one two week period where I took more baths. It was colder out than I did the other two week period. And I noticed that the week I took the baths, it curled up even more. Um, and so 
to me, a simple fix, and I wish is, is that I wish they would send more than one of the Band-Aid coverings per sensor so that if your current one gets um, rolled up at the ends, you could change it because it in, when it's rolled up, it's, you know, then the sticky part is a little bit of exposed. So as you're putting on and off your clothes, sometimes it's catching on your clothes. Generally speaking, I don't feel it at all. I, I couldn't even tell you half the time if I've got one on. It's not like I'm aware I have it on. But if I'm, if the Band-Aid's starting to curl up and I'm putting on and off my clothes, it can kind of snag. And, and then it starts to not look as good, like toward the end of the two-week period. Like it, it you know, I might... I might choose to wear something longer sleeve if it's all, if it's kind of like um, just gnarly around the edges, there might be a reason. There might be a reason they don't do that. I mean, maybe they are worried that if you're pulling the bandaid on and off, it might disrupt the sensor. I, I guess I'm not quite sure. Cause it seems like that would be a simple fix. You know, one of the things that was uh, an important takeaway, there were so many things I learned about, what the things I ate and what it did to my body, the order in which I ate that food, um, all the different experiments I could do that could show me by making changes how that I could keep my glucose in the healthy range. And I learned very fast and I don't think I'm alone. I think most of us would be like this. That's, that's an assumption, but I think most of us would learn very, very quickly that's the beauty of this, how quickly you can see and then learn to keep your glucose within the healthy range. And again, because you can see it, they display it in a graph and they and you can see exactly when you go above and when you go below. And it's so visual. That's what's so beautiful of it, about it. And you can see, like if you experiment with a, a different meal the next day and you change the order of what you eat or you change if you exercise before or after or you cut something out, you can see that impact and it, it results in changed behavior. So you very quickly learn how to keep your glucose within the healthy range. And again, I think I'll learn even more about that next month as I start to more dive into what's the impact on when I'm not sleeping as well or um, of stress on all of this. But the one thing that happens is you really learn that, oh, uh, you know, if I have some healthy fats or some proteins before I have the carbs, well, that'll help me not spike. So what one little trap I fell into was that I started reaching for like walnuts, which are healthy. It's a healthy fat. It's a wonderful, right? But I was reaching for a pretty big handful um, each time to have some walnuts and some healthy fat before I had the carb. And, you know, no matter what, if you have 16 bowls of walnuts in a day, and yes, you're able to keep your glucose in a healthy range, you're still most likely going to be consuming way more calories than your body can use even with exercise. And so you're going to put on weight, right? So I think there, you have to be careful as you're finding the nuance here and keeping yourself in the range that the tactics you're using to keep yourself in the range, you're still being mindful overall of the energy need, the caloric needs of your body, because otherwise you're going to, you're going to gain weight, which also comes with its own, you know, um, conundrums, even if you're able to keep your glucose within a healthier range. So that was, I really wanted to share that with everyone. Because um, if you don't know that in advance, it's it, it could be um, 
it, it could have an impact on your weight. So Estella, I'm curious from your perspective, I mean, that we have a, a bit of an age gap. Um, you're younger than I am by a few decades. And I'm curious from your perspective, have, you know, is continuous glucose monitor, monitoring something that's on your radar? Like as some, as a younger person, is it something you've heard about? Is it something you're interested in? And if so, what are potential barriers if, if, cause I know you haven't done this yet, but like what, why not if it's something you're interested in? Yeah, I'm definitely personally very interested in my own health and wellness. Um, I have multiple gym memberships. I've bought an aura ring. I have an Apple watch. Um, I'm very conscious about what foods I put into my body. However, I do not have a CGM. Um, and I have heard about it, um, through, uh, Peter Tia, Andrew Huberman and other health podcasts. And I definitely am interested in it. Um, the biggest thing for me is the cost. Um, not to say that I wouldn't spend the money, but I do know at this point that there, I, I'm aware of the things that impact glucose. So I definitely try to eat my foods in a specific order, walk before or after meals. Um, I exercise regularly. I do a lot of the things that I think you were speaking to that you learned about or that you really started implementing once you got all that feedback. Um, I would be interested in purchasing it to look at the nuances of my glucose levels. So things such as stress and sleep. Um, I'd really like to see that aspect of it. I'm not as interested in the food part, partially because I, I think I know for the most part what um, spikes my glucose. So I think in the future or eventually I will get one just to try it out. And like I said, look at those finer details of what is impacting my glucose levels. Um, but as of right now, I've chose to invest in things such as fitness, a sleep um, tracker and healthy foods. Well, and the cool thing about all those things is, generally speaking, the research shows that those have a positive impact on glucose, right? So so even if you're not doing the glucose monitor per se, you're already doing a lot of the behaviors that will, will hopefully keep you in the healthy range. Um, yeah, this mm -hmm. was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for asking such good, good questions. Yes, thank you. It was very interesting. So I'm guessing we will be doing a follow-up to this, this show after I complete my second month. Maybe we'll look more specifically at the sleep um, and stress impacts. Um, uh, I know, Estella, you had some questions about the alcohol impact, which we didn't get to today, which I will talk about more in the next episode after this next month, because although I have some early information, I I'm going to, something I'm going to pay much closer attention to in the second month. So I think we'll save that for then. I have a request for the audience. I have a request for all of you. And that is that since we're going to be doing a follow-up episode, um, what questions do you have um, for me about 
the experience with the continuous glucose monitor. I am obviously not in general, I'm not an expert, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert on glucose or on the CGMs, generally speaking. But if you have questions about my experience or anything I said today, you're looking for clarification, I would be happy to answer those in that second um, episode. So I'll have a few asks for you right now. So as you know, you're listening to the Kathleen Sessions podcast. I'll ask that if you're not already, please subscribe to the Kathleen Sessions on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And know that our website is thekathleensessions.com. So it's through the website at thekathleensessions.com that you could send us your questions. And I am dying to hear. Well, I'm also curious if you are if you've used one, if you've used one, can you send a testimonial or things that you liked or problems you ran into? I'd be very, very interested to know that as well. And we can maybe discuss a couple of those things on the air in that second episode as well. So I am really grateful. Um, I'm really grateful to you, Estella. I'm really grateful to the audience. I'm really grateful to have um, had this experience with the CGM and to share the information with everyone today. So have a beautiful day, everyone. We will see you shortly. Bye.